Dane, good to talk to you again. You guys too. Good morning. Um, so let's just let's just start here. A lot of people are asking about you know Caleb Williams. We know um, you know today being you know the last day to go ahead and, and, and uh, announce and declare for the NFL draft. But is it right that that he could have already filed, but the the date for the next announcement of players that are coming out is until the nineteenth? Is that right? Right. Today, the fifteenth is officially the deadline. There's no time deadline in terms of you know noon or four o'clock it's just anytime today uh if you're an underclassman and you have not done so you have to submit the paperwork to the league office uh indicating your intentions to uh, enter the draft and then there's a 48 hour uh period where you can um take that back pull your name back out of it and then on friday uh, the league will release the uh the last uh, list of underclassmen, but unless you publicly announce it yourself, there's no way for anybody else to know that you actually did uh, enter the draft. So it's really on each player to to announce themselves until the official list is released by the NFL to the teams. So my question, Dane, is: Is there any real? I mean, is it a real thing that he could stay at, at USC, Caleb Williams? That's 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 what people in Chicago want to know. It'd be a pretty big shock. Um, I don't think anybody, uh, you know, just talking to people in the league, talking to people in the agent business, people who are around this uh, situation, nobody expects any type of, uh, you know, last minute, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go back. And, you know, we saw this with CJ Stroud last year. He was one of the final uh, players, underclassmen to announce on the final day on the deadline. Um, you know, I, he, he did play uh, more recent football, so he had a little more of an excuse uh, with Caleb. I don't know if this is just a, you know, kind of why some of the top high school recruits are the last to sign. You know, they kind of want the spotlight a little bit, and maybe that's what this is. I, I, I really don't know. It's, it's a little curious, but at the end of the day, um, I think everybody expects him to be part of this draft class. We're talking to Dane Brugler here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris, sports director at CBS2, filling in for Mully and Hall today. Dane, I mean, a lot of people in Chicago are angry at Caleb Williams for a lot of the stuff that's come out over the last year in regards to the Bears. You know, like him, his father saying, you know, he doesn't want to play there or somebody else, you know, the stuff that just came out recently, like, or rumored recently, like, oh, you know, he wants assurances the Bears are going to do something. In, in the, the research that you've done and, and people that you've talked to, is there any truth to this, you know, this, this, this hate that Caleb has for the Chicago Bears? No, I mean, look, I, I think that first off, I, most of the, these rumors are, are, are more rumors than fact. And a lot of it is not coming from Caleb himself. It's coming from his camp um, or, you know, the, the, the rumors at least, um, and this is a player who you know, his football journey has been meticulously planned out since he was 10 years old. Um, his dad and some of the, the training that he has had over the years from middle school to high school to college. Um, but you know what? It hasn't always gone according to plan. Uh, you know, he started out at Oklahoma and then Lincoln Riley takes the job at USC. And so uh, they have to pivot and they end up transferring. And, um, you know, there were, there was a chance he wasn't going to follow Lincoln Riley. He was considering other schools as well, but they decided to stay the course and um, it worked out. All right. Obviously Caleb won the Heisman trophy that next year. Um, in, in this situation, when you're the projected number one pick in the draft, 
the team picking number one is picking number one for a reason. You know, there, there's, there's something about the team that made them have the worst record uh, in the league. Now, this is a little bit different because the Bears, they didn't have the worst record, uh, but they own the pick that uh, the worst record has. So if you're Caleb, instead of going to the team with the worst record, you're going to a team that at least showed life uh, down the stretch, especially with the way they played. Uh, you have a defense that looks like it's ascending. You have an offense with a, a stud wide receiver, an offensive line that still some question marks, but it's getting better. Uh, it, it's better than it was last year. It's better than it was uh, two years ago. Um, so I, I think you look at that, you think of, uh, you know, Ryan Poles, what he wants to do with this roster, the fact they have another top 10 pick in this draft. Uh, I think there's plenty of reason to be optimistic uh, if you're going to the Bears for that number one pick. So there's going to be a lot of noise about uh, Caleb Williams and what he wants and these rumors. I, up until I hear them come directly from his mouth, I, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt. And because it's, you know, we kind of hear this every year. Um, it's not uncommon for uh, players that are in a position of power to all this noise come out. And um, a lot of times it just proves to be unfounded and it works out the way it should work out. I think, Dane, for a lot of people, especially in Chicago, they, they have visions of remembering Eli Manning and when he got drafted and that mm-hmm. face he had at the draft. And they're like, <laughs> we don't want to deal with any of this. We just want a franchise-changing quarterback, the same thing we've wanted for the last 100 years or so. So <laughs> that's, that's what comes into play there. i got to ask you a question. Um, just because Justin Fields, there's so many questions surrounding his future, whether that's in Chicago, elsewhere. When you look at this draft class of quarterbacks and compare Justin Fields and he's obviously a much more known quantity because we've seen him against NFL competition. Where do you think he slides into the talent pool here? Like if you had a redraft and he, you know, he's obviously played three years of NFL football, is he still near the top at the top? How, how do you see his skill set versus some of these guys that bears fans have been arguing about for the last couple of months? Well, I mean, let's just let's put them into this draft class. Let's just, you know, okay. say the, the Justin Fields that we know uh, that we've seen the last three years. Let's put them in this draft uh, with the, uh, you know, we, we have to keep in keep in mind that he won't be on a he'll be on a rookie contract, but only for another year, and then you know the fifth year option. They need to consider extending him. So that's that's part of Justin Fields, and with that attached to him, uh, that, that's where it makes it a little bit complicated. Because I've always said with the, with the Bears and the number one overall pick, it's not just a football decision. This is a financial decision. Um, you know, it's about uh, resetting the quarterback clock. And with Justin Fields, it's, it's not quite that easy. So my thing with, with Fields has always been just, you know, scouting him at Ohio State uh, through the draft process and now in the NFL – um, it's just things are too methodical. Um, yeah, he's gotten better in some areas, but especially from the pocket. For a guy that's a 4-4 athlete, uh, things are just way too methodical in the pocket and with some of the decision-making. And I, it's just it's he has not taken the steps as a passer that convinces me, okay, yeah, this guy is worth a $100 million contract, and I'm, I'm willing to trade the number one overall pick to, uh, you know, to bet on fields and bet on a $100 million contract. So I, I still think that I, I, even though fields has made progressions and has shown the improvements that gives you optimism, if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm loving that because it helps his trade value. And I have a chance to uh, get something of value, multiple day two picks. Um, but, you know, there's a reason that there's not a team – uh, in a top 10, willing to trade a top 10 pick for Justin Fields. Because, you know, again, it's, it's some of the question marks on the field, but it, the fact that you do have to pay him 
uh, coming up here pretty soon. So with all those things, factors considered, uh, you know, it, it does make it for a, a complicated situation. And but if you're the Bears, I think that's why it's just it's time to move on. It's a chance for Fields to, uh, you know, get a, a new situation, uh, you know, new uh, new expectations from a different fan base and just kind of, and if it works out great, it doesn't mean the bears made the wrong decision. It, it's just that maybe a clean break is what's best for everybody. Marshall. I heard, I heard Justin is the fourth, maybe fifth best quarterback in this draft. I mean, that's what I heard. Is that what you're, is that what you're the fourth? Maybe, maybe fourth. You know, it, it, it's debatable, right? right. I mean, it's it, quarterbacks. I think, you know, fans think that with quarterbacks in the draft, there's this consensus board that all teams are using it's it, that, that that's just not not true i mean it every quarterback board looks different especially you know that justin fields draft uh, i know some teams like zach wilson over uh, trevor lawrence at number one you know everyone beauty's in the eye of the beholder and especially a true at quarterback so it's just it's different from team to team and when you look at this quarterback class with caleb williams drake may at the top um and, and then that's where most teams have those two guys in different order but those two players at the top and then it becomes a little bit of a, okay, who's quarterback three? Is it Jaden Daniels from LSU? Where does JJ McCarthy, 27 and one as a as a starter, coming off a national title run? Where does he fit in? Is he quarterback three, quarterback four? Uh, you know, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. So yeah, it, it's a really interesting quarterback class, and that makes the the field conversation even more interesting. We're talking to Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst for the Athletic here on 670. The score: Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris filling in for Mully and Hall today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Drake May. I think people, there's a gap in people's minds here in Chicago when they try to assess a guy like Drake May where they say, the first thing out of probably 70% of the people's mouths that I talk to say, I don't want another quarterback from North Carolina because they're scarred from Mitchell Trubisky, right? And then you hear yeah. the comparisons. You're like, oh, you know, he could be like a Justin Herbert type of guy. Big body, good arm, make all the throws. But there's this like space between, you know, reality and, and what they think he can be. Is it realistic to say that, you know, he is a Justin Herbert type quarterback or is that a ceiling and some hype that's surrounding a guy like Drake May? The, the, the way that I have phrased it, the entire process, and I'll continue to phrase it through the draft, is he is cut from the same cloth as Justin Herbert. So a lot of the reasons why you like Justin Herbert at Oregon and, you know, those, a lot of those reasons that he had such a great rookie year and he's been such a, a promising player in the NFL – uh, you see that with Drake May. Uh, it's not just the way he looks with the size and the arm strength. It's, it's the way he processes his intelligence, uh, that there's a scrambling element to him, um, especially on third downs. He, he's the best third down scrambler in college football. Uh, it's, there's a lot to like about just the raw talent. And we have to remember, he's a redshirt sophomore. He is young. Justin Herbert was a senior. Uh, you know, his final year led Oregon to the Rose Bowl. Uh, beat Wisconsin that year, but you know he was a four or five year player. Where with uh, with, with Drake May, he's just a third year player, just second year as a starter. Uh, but I think he is Drake May's a little bit advanced, and I, I always use the older brother theory. If you have if you grow up as a young kid and you have older brothers, you're forced to grow up tougher, more competitive, quicker when it comes to sports. And with that's never more true with Drake May. He's got three older brothers, all big time athletes, all went on to play big time college ball. Uh, and, and so that really forced him to grow up quicker and into that competitive gene really evolved for him at a young age. And we've seen that with him. So now there are things about Drake May that uh, do give me a little bit of pause, especially the way he played down the stretch. You watch a Clemson tape, you watch the NC State tape. 
Um, the fact that 12 of his 16 career interceptions have come in the second half. Um, you know, so there's some elements of his game that is a little uh, – there, there's some recklessness to the way he plays. But at the same time, um, you know, he, he wasn't playing with a ton of you – know, the offensive line at North Carolina wasn't very good. He had one uh, top-tier uh, top receiver uh, at, at North Carolina this past season. So, you know, I think they, they, some of the circumstances forced his hand, but I do think that it's exciting to think about where he's going to be three years from now, four years from now. Um, but so Drake May, I think that there's a reason why he is in that conversation for some teams as being that quarterback one. So it's interesting because we, we watched C.J. Stroud and the Bears mm-hmm. pass up on C.J. Stroud last season. And we just saw what he did over the weekend, which is really just a continuation of what he's been doing all season when healthy. I want to know, like, how shocked are you? How shocked are scouts? How shocked is everyone at just how well he's playing, especially when you look at the guy directly above him, uh, Bryce Young, and how he plays? I mean, it, it all seems like maybe more of a crapshoot than it is. I mean, I, w- what do you think of C.J. Stroud, and what does that tell us about this entire process? Uh, you know, I, I well, first of all, I think it's uh, I'm glad you brought up CJ Stroud because I, I can't tell you how many uh, responses and, and uh, tweets and things I received last draft process that said, oh, Ohio State can't produce quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it's another reason why you don't scout the helmet. And, you know, that's why Mitchell Trubisky should never come up when you talk about Drake May as a prospect. You know, I understand it's easy for fans to make that that connection, but uh, let's not scout the helmet. Let's scout the player. And with CJ Stroud, you know, I, I think it's just a really great example of what you need to focus on through the draft process, poise, accuracy. That's what he showed at Ohio State. That's what, uh, you know, especially that Georgia game uh, in, in the semi, uh, semifinals of the playoffs, how uh, he played in such a high level in that game. And you saw those things, the, the, the poise, the, the ball placement, and that has translated so well. But I also think it's important that where these guys go – uh, makes a big part uh, or plays a big part in their development. And Bryce Young went to an impossible situation. Head coach fired midway through the season. Uh, offensive line can't block anybody. His receivers are terrible. Meanwhile, you look at the Texans and a first-year head coach, but they had the right system in place with Bobby Slowick, offensive coordinator, uh, outstanding. We saw it in the, in the playoff game against the Browns, that one of the best defenses in the league, and the offensive uh, uh, game plan just shredded them. Uh, so I think you put them, and, and I don't want to take anything away from C.J. Stroud because he's the one making the throws. He's the one that has been on point all year, getting better and better. Uh, but situation matters. And so it's a lesson for the Bears and some of these other teams that are thinking about drafting a quarterback uh, high in the draft. The situation that you're drafting them uh, into, uh, what's the offensive ecosystem? Um, I, I think the the Bears are in a much better spot right now, theoretically, who are they, they going to hire as offensive coordinator? You have an offensive line that's better than last year. You have DJ Moore. So, yes, they could have drafted C.J. Stroud first overall last year, but what it might not have worked out just the same way because the, the system was a little bit different. Now, this year, the Bears are in a much better situation to draft that rookie quarterback and put him in the best position to succeed. We're talking to Dane Brugler here on 670 The Score, Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris. Uh, when – when we talk about a draft, a lot of people are always talking about blue chip players, right? And more often than not, you're not necessarily certain like how far down the list you can go before that ends. Where, where does that end for you in this draft? How far, how, how, how deep are these blue chip players in the 2024 draft? 
You know, I, I think for me, this is a good year for blue chip players. And, and that's not always the case. You know, like two years ago when uh, Trevon Walker went number one overall, like that was a year that didn't have a ton of blue chip players. Uh, this year, I, I do think we have quite a few. I, I think I probably have seven. Uh, talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May at the top, the two quarterbacks. Um, the three receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, uh, Roma Dunze. I uh, throw Brooke uh, Bowers in there. And then, uh, you know, really the two tackles, Joe Alt, Olu Foshinu. So what is that, eight eight players that yeah. I think are, are true blue chippers? Um, and, you know, I know the Bears are uh, <laughs> number nine, nine right now, of course. <laughs> but you know what? That's hey, we'll see. There, there, there might be a quarterback that goes, you know, Jaden Daniels could absolutely sneak into that top, uh, top eight picks, and that will push another player down to you. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, they, the receivers will be really interesting. W- will the three go in the top eight? Or will one of those three receivers that I just mentioned, would they be available to Chicago at nine? I, I think if, if one of those receivers is available, that would make a ton of sense to pair a rookie quarterback with one of these really talented receivers. I mean, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., everybody knows about. He's not going to be there at nine. Um, but Malik Neighbors, I don't think there's a huge gap between Harrison and Neighbors. Neighbors just doesn't have any weaknesses. He really doesn't. He's not the biggest guy, but he's certainly big enough. He's explosive makes plays after the catch, wins at the catch point. Uh, you really see his seven-on-seven seven background uh, on his tape with the way he plays. It's really impressive. And then Roma Dunze, the way he plays through contact, the way he can get open, very quarterback-friendly. Um, and so I, I think any of those three options would be awesome for the Bears at nine if they get there. I think that would be a big question mark that we talk about throughout the process. Will any of those three receivers make it all the way to nine I, I would say it's probably 50-50 chance. I think there's a good chance all three are gone, uh, but there's at least a you know a chance that uh, one of them could still be available. It's it's interesting because everybody here in Chicago is obviously like, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr., we're in Big Ten country. Get get him in a Bears uniform, and everything will turn sure. around for Justin Fields or whoever is the quarterback next season. So I'm interested in that. I wanted to ask you about La- LaGrange Park's own J.J. McCarthy. You mentioned him. Is he – like how, how high could he go, and, and how many quarterbacks do you even see going in the first round? Uh, you know, it's tough because he's, he's going to, I mentioned before quarterback, you know, the beauty in the eye of the beholder with quarterbacks and one team's going to have a third round grade on them. Another team uh, could have a first round grade on them. I, I think it's going to be really different team to team based off of what they value in, in a young quarterback because with JJ McCarthy, it's a little bit of a complicated evaluation because Michigan just did not rely on him to push the ball downfield with his arm. Uh, now, I think he, he was terrific on money downs. You know, his conversion rate with his arm uh, or with his legs on third down and fourth down is outstanding. So when they needed him to make a play, he made it more times than not. But this is a, an offense that was not really relying on the big plays through the air. Uh, so, you know, I, I, his evaluation feels a little bit incomplete. He's still very, very young. Um, you know, there, there's a, it, it feels like there's, you know, the tape, we want to see more from the tape. Um, but at the same time, that's what scouts get paid to do project and okay. What is this guy going to look like two years from now, three years from now when he has, uh, you know, some pro coaching behind him. Uh, but the big thing that scouts always talk about with, uh, JJ McCarthy is the intangibles. Uh, the fact that he is a winner. I, I know a lot of people get roll their eyes with quarterback win loss record uh the team stat not a quarterback stat but 27 and one every scout brings that up when you talk about jj mccarthy and the way that um you know he has led this team uh, especially this past year 15 and 0 national championship uh an outstanding leader 
Uh, his recall, his intelligence is, is terrific. Um, he needs to put on weight. Scouts say he played this year right around 200 pounds, um, so needs to continue developing. Uh, he has a, he has the arm. Uh, he has tools to work with. Maybe not an elite package of tools, but above average package of tools. So you could understand why a team could talk themselves into J.J. McCarthy somewhere in the top 25 picks. There are plenty of teams that could use it. It'll be interesting to track throughout the process, uh, you know, how teams view him and, and where he ultimately ends up. It'll be interesting to see. And we are going to be watching this soap opera cl- probably as closely as you are, Dan. I uh, appreciate mm-hmm. you hanging out with us, and I look forward to talking to you again before the draft. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys.